there's a quote by John Maxwell that I love. If you want to improve your life, you must improve yourself. Mm. But that all starts with a made-up mind to do so. You know, we don't have to have all of the answers in front of us. But if you take that first step in that made-up mind of saying, I don't know what this journey will look like, but I know that I'm not going to turn around and go back where I just came from. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Hailey, and today I am joined by the incredible Akissi Naomi Hill. Thank you for, so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. And you know what's funny? We actually haven't spoken uh, before, but we've been kind of following each other's journey the past few months. And when I saw the incredible work that you're doing in your community, especially the work that you're doing with women and girls, I felt really compelled to reach out to you and, and share your story. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Honor is all mine. <laughs> All right, so Akissi Hill is an international speaker who is extremely passionate about growth. Akissi is the CEO of Ambitious Girls, Inc. She is a speaker, a presenter, a panelist at various conferences and events, you know, such as the International Business Retreat in South Africa and Paris, France, the National Association for Blacks and Criminal Justice in Phoenix, Arizona, and the African Women's Health Project International a youth Walk for Africa press conference, which we will definitely get into as Akissi shares her experiences. Um, you know, you talk about why you feel blessed to help women and girls around the world grow. And, you know, this is because just like us all, there was a time when, you know, you had kind of no idea what your purpose was and you're still discovering yourself and your identity. And so, you know, I really wanted you to dive in and talk about some of the experiences you have with mentorship and coaching now and the work that you're doing with Ambitious Girls, Inc. So, you know what, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your origin story. Sure. Well, before my journey with Ambitious Girls, I grew up in a very small town in Arkansas by the name of Four City. And I actually moved there when I was 10 years old after living in California the first 10 years of my life. So um, I was actually born in Mariana, Arkansas, which okay. is where my family's from. And my mom and I moved to California when I was eight months. So uh, after we moved to California, my mom got married to my stepfather. She had my two brothers. And unfortunately, my stepfather was abusing drugs and mm -hmm. he was um, violent. And so that was a lot for my mom. You know, um, basically, even though she was married, she was a single mother with three kids. And she decided to move back to Arkansas where she could be with family, you know, and raise us in a good setting. And for me, you know, I was familiar with Arkansas because my brothers and I would visit quite frequently during the summer, mm -hmm. which was cool. You know, it was great to come and spend with time with our grandparents and our uncles and aunts and our cousins who, you know, from Chicago, Detroit, that would also come down for the summer. But mm -hmm. moving to Arkansas from California was not the ideal thing for us. You know, we went from, I went from having these friends to now being the new girl with the weird name and the funny accent, not having <laughs> my dad in my life, you know, and still not knowing my biological father. So right. I began to long for a place to fit in with my peers. And this was an awkward stage to grow through. You know, many girls transition through age differences, and they deal with different things, and mine was self-esteem, self-confidence. 
that experience moving to a new, I mean, growing up in the same city, you're also going through those same challenges, right? As you go through elementary school and high school. But I, I you know, it's a, it's a stark difference, especially from California to Arkansas. So in the, in the early days, how did you walk through that? How did you manage it? And how, was, how were the relationships that you had in your life with your friends, for example? Sure. Honestly, my mom was my number one best friend mm-hmm. because I literally didn't have any, you know. And I let me back up because I forgot to mention that we first moved to Arkansas. We didn't we went from, you know, my mom having our own townhouse, own transportation, all these things in California to starting completely over. Right. My mom walked away from all of those things. So we initially started out in a smaller town, country road town called Haynes. We lived there with our grandparents. So I actually went to three different schools in one year. So going to school in Mariana, Arkansas, I finally began to make friends because I had a cousin that was there in the same school with me in the same grade in the same class. So that was a little easier. But finally getting over the, oh, why did your mom name you that old deal? Why do you talk like that? To finally getting to a place where I'm fitting in. I was in four cities. And right. happened to start all over again, <laughs> you know, so there were many days that I would be frustrated. I would come home crying. But my mother, she was always, you know, that peace for me to let me know that, oh, you know, it's OK. Sometimes you're not meant to fit in with everybody. You're unique. You're special. You know, you're created different for a reason. And of course, those were not things I wanted to hear at that age. I wanted <laughs> friends. I wanted to fit in. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be like. Mm-hmm. And um her uplifting me that that helped a lot it did and so one thing that she had me do was writing a diary I started writing a diary when I was 11 years old and believe it or not I still have all of my diaries so for me that was where I was able to kind of create the life that I didn't have but in a way just creating the life that I grew into if that makes sense so you know for me it was learning what I wanted in a friend and still learning to be that person, even though I didn't have it. And this is what allowed me to grow to a point where, you know, I wasn't the most popular person. I wasn't the first person that people picked when, you know, they had parties or outings. But I began to learn how to pour myself into my academics. Mm-hmm. I began to pour myself into being a student leader. And so I began going to a place that we called the Blue Center, which was actually the Community Voices Center. And to get a little bit more personal, um, when I was 12 years old, my mother, it seemed like I was the only girl in the world that couldn't talk to boys on the phone. So, um, of course, I couldn't be outdone. So I did have a boyfriend. And my mother had a friend who had a daughter my age and a son my brother's age. And so I would tell her, I want to go to Ashe's house after school. And, of course, I would have to ride a different school bus. Well, uh, we went to the Community Voices Center, which was actually where my little boyfriend's aunt worked. And so that was my real reason for wanting to go. Now, this ended up being a blessing because I would go over there and the Community Voices Center was an after school program. It was actually a place that also held community organizations such as the NAACP for both adults and youth the King's team, and different um, tutoring programs. And so you have to abide by the rules, of course. Well, my boyfriend, you know, he just wants to play basketball. So he played basketball in leave. And what I now know as an adult is Miss Stephanie Bryant, rest her soul, who was one of the directors, her and her husband directed the Community Voices Center. She noticed, you know, that 
I was there for Terrence. Mm-hmm. And what she did was she would call me and say, hey, Kissy, will you come over here and help me with the little kids? So she would have me help serve them their snacks help pour their juice, you know, help them with their homework. And I really enjoyed doing that. But right. little did I know that was just her way of rerouting me. Right. So this was where wow. I found my love for helping people. So what started out is me going to the community center for one reason, ended up with me going to the community center every day after school and just looking forward to serving in a positive arena. Wow. And this was Correct me if I'm wrong. This is when you were 12, right? I was 12 years old. Yes, when ma'am. In the seventh grade. Yeah. Wow. And you know, it, it's pretty incredible because I think at, at a very early age, when you have a mom that was your best friend um, and yeah. you had like various, you know, for, for example, this one, she, so she ran the, the community center there, you said? Oh, yes. Her and her husband. Okay, yeah. And when you have those people in your life who are able to sort of like guide you in the right direction, can see and sense what your strengths are and give you that opportunity to explore at such a young age, that's ins- it's honestly, it's insane and remarkable, the impact, the incredible impact that um, it will have in your life, right? This is the stuff yes. that you're doing today, which is absolutely insane. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. And, it, you know, I look back on that and that is one of many reasons why mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about working with our young girls now and mm-hmm. allowing them to see that you were created for a purpose that you don't have to wait until you graduate high school to operate in. Right. Be pur- purposeful now. Right. And so, okay, so then you started going every single day after school and you would basically your your community building you were supporting the other young girls who were who were there um and what were some of the things like even if you you know go back to 12 years old what were some of the things that you really enjoyed about doing that was it kind of recognizing potential and being able to help people grow what was it it was just being being of service just helping Mm -hmm. you know um it was nothing to me like Something as small as helping a kindergartner learn their ABCs, write their name, and the excitement that they had when their mm-hmm. parents would show up and they would be able to show them yeah. what they learned to do. You know, that for me, that just made my day. That made me feel really good because mm-hmm. I remember, you know, the times where me struggling in California with uh, my parents and what they were dealing with and going through. I remember being in school and not necessarily not wanting to do the work but just not being able to concentrate on the work because I was worried about what was going on at home. So I've always had a soft spot for the children who were deemed as not wanting to pay attention or not Mm -hmm. wanting to do their work. There's always a reason behind that. Yeah. And when you're able to dig deep into that reason or even like, you know, that's why I think play is so important because sometimes that's your escape or even like reading as a young kid. Those are your risks oh, yes. from maybe some of the challenges that are happening, you know, in your life. So, you know, I can imagine the, the joy that these kids had when you were there. You know? And it, it joy, you know, it gave me a joy. Another thing mm-hmm. that um, I love to do outside of that and writing my diary was I love playing with Barbie dolls. That was another way where I could make life to be whatever I wanted it to be right. was through them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
for me, I look at all that as team building. You know, today we have kids who might not necessarily like their music class. Doesn't mean that they don't want to pay attention. It just means that they look forward to art because they're literally a born artist and that's where they come alive at. So I believe it's so important to encourage our kids and our young people to explore their talents and their passions right now and build them up in those areas instead of, you know, disciplining them so hard in the areas where they're not doing so great in. Right. And that's something that can be translated to so many different areas, so many different age groups, right? So what oh, did I'm really curious what the, you know, early days look like with Ambitious Girls Inc. How, okay, so let's take a step back, though. So you started when you were 12. How long, um, like how many years were you um, in the community and being of service until you actually started sure. Ambitious Girls Inc.? That lasted consistently for three years. Okay. Um, after that third year, you know, um, when I went to high school, and by this time, I did have a group of friends. So I was consistently, you know, with my girlfriends on the weekends. By this time, I had met my biological father. So I was mm. visiting his family, which actually only lived less than an hour away from me. So I was every weekend or every other weekend going to visit with them. So in the midst of visiting with them, now having my social life, um, I wasn't at the community center every day, but I was now a part of student council at school, um, the Beta Club, the Future Teachers of America, Future Business Leaders of America. So I found a way to become a leader within my school, which also, you know, made up for what I wasn't necessarily doing at the community center, but I was still putting in uh, work in that arena. Right. So this lasted, like I said, three years consistently with the community center until I was 15. Now, when I got to high school, it was more about my school organizations, which that lasted throughout my high school life. So when I graduated in the 12th grade, I was still a part of those pivotal organizations that helped shape my leadership skills. Right. And so, yeah, I think building those leadership skills, finding ways to kind of get involved at school or, or with, you know, different community organizations outside of school really helps you kind of navigate and be in a place where you could definitely help others for sure. And so, oh, yeah. you know, where did the idea come from to start your, to start your own organization? Well, um, after I graduated high school, I moved from Forest City, Arkansas to Little Rock, Arkansas which mm -hmm. is 86 miles away. Okay. And my first year of college was totally different from my first year, you know, in middle school and high school in Forest City. Here, I actually had a, what I like to call a fair opportunity to go after the things that interest me. Mm -hmm. um, when I was growing up in Forest City, things were kind of different, you know, um, then when I was growing up, it was more so who you knew and, you know, who your parents were. For example, the cheerleading squad. I didn't really have a fair shot at things like that. But when I began to enter my college years, um, I went to an HBCU. So I had the opportunity to really be involved. My first year, I was... Can you explain what um, HBCUs are? So uh, we're from, we're on the Canadian side. Sure. But I, every time I travel to the States and hang out with people of color, like I always hear this term. So please describe what it is. Yeah. Yes. HBCU is what uh, we call... It's a short term for um, historically black college or university. Yeah. 
which is where I spent my undergrad years and got my bachelor's degree at the Great Philander Smith College. Okay. Okay. And for me, it was just an amazing opportunity to be on a small campus where I actually had the opportunity to have relationships with, you know, those around me, um, my instructors. I had the opportunity to really grow as a young lady. And so I was a part of the Student Government Association as Miss Freshman. Um, I actually also joined um, one of the organizations, such as a mentorship organization, where we had the opportunity to be developed as student leaders. Right. And so this was also during the time where I was struggling between trying to be the greatest student I could be, but also involved in domestic violence relationships. So I kind of fell off the track in regards to being involved and, you know, being developed as a leader in organizations because I was focused on working full time as well as going to school full time because I didn't live on campus. So I had bills to pay. Right. Now that desire never went away. So um, after I graduated college, I kept saying, I'm going to go back to Forest City and I'm going to do something positive, you know, for the girls to mm -hmm. give back. And I kept putting it off. I then, you know, I got pregnant with my son. I said, oh, you, you know, my son turns two. After my son turned two, I remember going to one of the homecoming games. And it seemed like every other girl, well, I won't say every other girl, at least every third or fourth girl that walked by was pregnant. Mm. And she appeared to be a teenager. Mm -hmm. And my brother, who was four years younger than me, said, you know, whatever you were going to do, it's too late. Because my family always knew, you know, of me wanting to come back and do something. I talked about it often. And so I thought, I said, no, it's not too late. The time is now. And after that, I remember going to work that Monday, taking my lunch break and getting out the phone book. Because this was before Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, you know, <laughs> everything was not so popular online. So I was getting the phone book out and calling high schools and middle schools and telling them, I'm going to host Girl Talk at Four City and I would like to invite your girls. Mm. That was the only thing that I knew to do. You know, there was no manual set up for me. So I just did what flowed from my heart. I said, I'm going to rent the civic center. I'm going to invite girls and we're going to have some girl talk. And that was it. And that's exactly what I did. And I thought, okay, you know, we might have 20, 25 girls to show up. So what I did was I had bottles of water. I had a cake. I was there, of course. My husband was there. My cousin was there. She and I are six months apart, but she is a teen mom of a, a child that has a disability. And so at the time, um, he was four years old. And no, excuse me, he was seven years old. And so she spoke to them from a teen mother's perspective. My husband spoke to them from a man's perspective in terms of telling them about how important it is to focus on their education and things their parents were telling them as opposed to just putting all their focus on a boy. Right. And um, he shared some things with them, you know, from a, a boy's perspective that they normally wouldn't get, you know, from a guy because guys their age are growing just like they are. And so um, I never forget there was a 15 year old there. My main message was, of course, teen pregnancy prevention. But when I found out that she was attending with my cousin, I pulled her to the side before the event and I let her know what we were going to be talking about. But I also wanted her to be comfortable and know and understand that we are in no way wanting you to feel left out because you are a teen mom. And I, I just wanted her to be okay with that. And she was more than okay with the message. And she actually said that she wanted to share something. 
Mm-hmm. So she got up there at 15 years old in the front of her peers. Her son was actually at the event with her. And mm-hmm. I held him for the first maybe minute of her speaking. And in the midst of her speaking, she told them, because he began to cry, and I gave him back to her because he wanted his mom. So she was able to tell them, I'll never forget, she said, I want you all to stay in those seats you're sitting in today as young ladies and don't make the decision I made to become a young mother because Mm -hmm. and she shared with them you know my my parents don't watch my son or keep my son whenever I want them to so if I want to go to a basketball game or football game I have to take them with me because that's my responsibility and so she shared words with them that I could have never shared Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was very brave of her to get up in front of her peers. Cause again, at 15 years old, I remember the way that I felt. I wasn't embraced when I first moved to Fort City. So to see another teenager get up that confident and bold to share her story and offer words of encouragement, that let me know that this was bigger than whatever I had in mind for girl talk. Right. Not to mention there were more than 15 or 20 girls. There were 60 girls wow. plus in attendance. Mm-hmm. And they came from not only my hometown, but from four other surrounding cities. And so where, where I was thinking, okay, this is going to be my one thing that I do and I'm giving back and that'll be it. Before yeah. they left, they were asking, when is the next one? Right. And that is what led it to be an annual conference. And after the third year, I felt like, okay, you know, this is good, but it's once a year. There are 364 other days. What are the girls getting then? And that's when it was on my heart to do a mentoring program. The girls were telling me, you know, it's boring down here. We don't have anything to do, which I understand. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but in Forest City, we only had one high school, one middle school. We didn't have any shopping malls. We didn't have um, any, you know, um, outlets for the kids other than the Blue Center, the skating rink, and Walmart and McDonald's. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was it. So um, this, it was just like this for the ladies in the surrounding areas as well. Now, because I was living in Little Rock, I decided to move it to Little Rock because I thought, okay, you know, this way the girls could travel away from Forest City and surrounding areas from Eastern Arkansas and at least come to Little Rock for a weekend and be able to be connected with other girls here. And it would make it easier on me as well because I'm very familiar with the area. I know of many women that I can bring in to help with this um, journey of helping girls grow. And so that's exactly what I did. And that eventually grew to be Ambitious Girls, Inc. That's such a beautiful way to kind of explain how the idea kind of evolved into a community of people who really were you know, needing what what you had had done there that evening, right? Because I think, you oh. know, especially I can imagine. So you said this was before we we had like social media and those other channels to kind of connect and find digital communities, right? Yes, this mm-hmm. was two thousand and nine when I held the first event. It was actually January thirty first, two thousand nine. I had began preparing. Um, I believe it was October of 2008. And I just set out to do something positive for the girls. And this literally changed my life. I didn't think that it would grow to be an organization. I had no idea what a nonprofit was. (laughs) I just remember, 
<laughs> yeah, my uh, background is accounting, so I had yeah. no idea about grant money or anything. What right. I did was I said, this is what I want to do. Yep. This is how much money I have. Well, let me save X amount of dollars every month so that I can put this on at this time of the year. Right. And when I moved it to Little Rock, Little Rock is different from Forest City. Now, in Forest City, we could rent a civic center room for $75 all day. I moved to Little Rock, moved the event to Little Rock, and over here we have hotels, we have colleges, we have event centers, but of course, those come with different costs. In of order course. to have food, yep. I couldn't have my family, you know, pitch in and um, cook meals. We had to have caterers serve the food, and it was always the venue caterer that we had to go through. So for me, this put me in a different arena because. I looked at the cost and I'm like, wow, you know, I don't, I don't charge the girls. How am I going to pay for this? So <laughs> I began to reach out to different uh, businesses and, you know, establishments. And I thought, well, I'm doing something wonderful for girls. It's free. I'm sure they'll be happy to help. And they were, but they asked, are you a 501c3 organization? And I was right. like, wow, what, what is, is that? that? <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, I'm thinking, okay, the show must go on. So I need to figure out how much I need to save per month to make this happen. Right. But in the meantime, I'm also researching what is a 501c3. When I found out about what it was, I then began to work towards that process. Everything just began to flow in a different direction. And I'm, I've just been blown away ever since. And so now, of course, we have Ambitious Girl Magic, which stands for, it has a couple of acronyms, but the main one is Motivating Ambitious Girls in Companies. Because that is so important. Everything that girls do, you know, whether it's a positive thing that they do or a negative experience they encounter, it all stems from confidence. Either their great confidence or their lack of. So, you know, it's so important that we instill that foundation within them so that they can continue to grow. And, of course, grow means getting ready to lead our world. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, this is incredible. I love how you, you talk a lot about character and confidence on your website and with the work mm -hmm. that you're doing. And I think, you know, both of these are incredibly important things to tune into and develop, right? So even with the community group that I've co-founded with my, with my friend Sam, one of our pillars is confidence, right? Building confidence, building different skills, whether it's like public speaking, whether it's pitching, self-awareness ties in really deep with confidence as well. Because I think if you're in a space where you understand who you are, what your strengths are, what makes you tick, you're in a much better place to kind of like interact with others and, and, and speak about what your uh, purpose is and where you're aligned, right? So what does what does character and confidence mean to, to you and how have you shared that with the girls in the program oh yes um well yesterday when speaking with someone i was explaining to them that it's all about building the total girl and that's it you summed it all up that stems from confidence and character and so what we do is through our ambitious girl academy sessions that's mainly what we focus on those classes were built for the purpose of girls coming in because at school they have to share their teachers with their other classmates. At home, they have to share their parents with their other siblings. Or even if they're an only child, you know, they have to share their parents with their 
uh, jobs and things like that. So the Ambitious Girl Academy is a classroom created just for girls. And these girls mm-hmm. have the opportunity to come in just as they are. Right. Nothing wrong with who they are. They have different personalities. You know, they have uniquenesses about themselves. But they learn in that space how to be a, a girl of good character. And that starts with first understanding who you are. Understanding who you are and who created you, which was Christ. So mm-hmm. that's, of course, you know, another one of our acronyms, uh, Mentoring Ambitious Girls in Christ. So when they understand that they were created for a unique purpose of serving God and building up the body of Christ, then they began to look at themselves as somebody other than who they look at when they see in the mirror or who they compare themselves to when they're on social media or who others say they are based on who they label them as. So when they began to understand who they were, who they are and who they were created by, they began to understand that their character is more than what they showcase at school. It's more than, you know, doing what your parents want you to do or what you, what they tell you to do. It's more about becoming the girl that God intended for you to be so that you can grow and be the woman that he created you to be. And then with confidence, that of course is taught through Helping them understand that who they are is who they are. And that is not supposed to change based on who else doesn't like it. As right. long as they're respecting themselves and as long as they're respecting others, then their confidence is shaped by what they believe within themselves. You know, of course, there are some things about ourselves that we absolutely cannot change. And there are some things about ourselves that we shouldn't want to change. You know, most girls, the first thing that they do, and even women, is when they wake up, they go to social media and they see all of these pictures and all of these images and that is what shapes their level of confidence. So if they don't feel so confident in their size, if they don't feel so confident, you know, in their hair or what they wear or their exterior appearance, then that is what begins to decrease their level of confidence. So in the Ambitious Girl Academy, we start out with level 100. And what that means is that's telling them that you have everything and you are everything that God intended for you to have and be. And that should not change. Right. No, then just saying that's very beautiful and and developing a really solid kind of like curriculum for for people so that you're able to to help them. So you coach and advise women, preteen and teen girls. Um, I'm really curious what was the most kind of instrumental experience that has brought you to this place of mentorship because a lot of the times when I you know talk to incredible women who um, are on their own journeys of service usually or there was something that kind of happened that, that led you toward this path but also drives you to continue because you're doing something that is kind of greater than you right it's it's your purpose um you know what was that thing for you Akisi? Ooh, to be honest, the thing for me was my experience with domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 15 years old when I got into a relationship with my boyfriend who was one grade ahead of me, but three years older than I was. And right. um, a year and a half into our relationship, he was physical abusive. And this lasted until I was 19 years old and finally ended the relationship. Now, for me, I idolized this relationship. I did because after years of not being the number one pick, you know, I was the girl, like I told you before, my mom loved her to death. 
um, grateful for the things that she instilled in me, but she was the one who made it a point to not allow me to do certain things before it was time for me to do it. So, of course, more boys weren't really wanting me to be their girlfriend because I was a virgin. So the first boy that came along and said he didn't care about it, you know, um, for me, that was the number one thing that blew me away because I made a decision to just tell boys up front, look, I'm a virgin <laughs> because mm -hmm. I got tired of getting to like them, them liking me. And then when they find out that I'm really a virgin and I'm really not having sex, then they break my heart. So I just said, let's get this over on the front end. And I literally expected him to last a couple of days and then, you know, move on. But this one, we lasted for a couple of months. And of course, you know, 15 years old, I'm thinking I'm in love. And I'm feeling like this is the one, you know, I want to spend the rest of my life with him. And after losing my virginity and us continuing to stay in this relationship, I really began to feel like this is going to be my husband one day. So all mm -hmm. of my decisions that I made included him. You know, I, I consulted with him on everything. And of course, because I was so long, young, I didn't realize the signs of, of controlling behavior. I didn't know anything about that. So when he began to say things or, you know, use things against me, my number one priority went from being overly ambitious in my academics and wanting to be successful in high school to get to college to making sure that my boyfriend was happy, making sure he was pleased. And so I've always loved taking pictures. Always. Smell mm -hmm. about in the pictures being taken of my face at the police station after he attacked me the last time. And that was actually after I broke up with him for good. I was a 19-year-old college sophomore when this happened. And while it was not the first time that I had to be taken to the hospital and treated for my injuries, it was the first time I told the truth and pressed charges. Right. And this resulted in a no-contact order, which actually, you know, that worked out in my favor. So this relationship was something that I went from idolizing. You know, everything was about me and him. I worked two jobs in high school. And then I made my decision to attend Philander Smith College based on my wanting to be close to him. I mm. made the decision to live off campus and get an apartment so that we could be together. And all of that stemmed from my lack of self-confidence and self-worth. And right. so those violent experiences with him, they broke me down. But I thank God they didn't knock me out. Mm. And so in the courtroom, March of 2005, I just felt so free and so refreshed and at that time i didn't understand anything about purpose and to be honest i still didn't have all the confidence but i just had a burning desire of helping girls grow you know when i was going through that i didn't have a best friend that i went to to talk about it to because in the midst of my idolizing our relationship when i did develop that group of friends and sisters i slowly you know grew away from them as I was so consumed with me and him. So I was in this dark place of not wanting to open up about the right. things I was dealing with because I was ashamed. And because I lived in Little Rock away from my family, it was so easy for me to hide from them because if I had a black eye or, you know, if I had scratches on my neck from him choking me or hitting on me or hurting me, I just decided I'm not going to go home this weekend because I don't want my mom to see this. Right. So it was easy for me to just be in this dark cloud of struggling between trying to change somebody that I would have never been able to change and trying to endure 
the stress that I was, you know, going through at that time. And so I just remember leaving the courthouse that day and feeling like, wow, you know, I feel really good about not having to deal with this anymore. I feel really good about finally being open and honest with my parents and, you know, with my family about what I had been going through and having their support. You know, they held me accountable in a good way. They made sure that I didn't backtrack and talk to him. So opening up about it blessed my life. And I just didn't want another girl to experience this and feel alone, ashamed, or feel like she had to continue going through it. Mm. And so that was the moment that I say that broke my procrastination with really full forcely mentoring and being a role model for other girls and young ladies. Mm-hmm. You say kind of like broke your procrastination. Um, just listening to you know your story, I see that as being the catalyst for you to go on and help mentor, coach other people so that they're not found in the same situations. Or if they are, how do we begin um, the process to, to heal or to step away? And that's really, really, really powerful because I know um, a lot of people may not be able to, to do that, right? Oh, yeah. I'm glad that you were able to kind of take that experience and, and, and do good with it because it's not easy. Oh, it's not. It's not. You know, uh, there's a quote by John Maxwell that I love. If you want to improve your life, you must improve yourself. Mm. But that all starts with a made-up mind to do so. You know, we don't have to have all of the answers in front of us. But if we take that first step and that made-up mind of saying, I don't know what this journey will look like, but I know that I'm not going to turn around and go back where I just came from. Right. What are some, I'm curious with the young people that you, you know, speak with very frequently, what is the most common thing that you see, see these people struggling with? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, a lot of them don't know how to grow or they don't believe they know how to grow. They don't believe that they're worthy of growing. Um, they've made a lot of mistakes that they are afraid of growing forward from because they feel like those mistakes will always come back to haunt them. Or they feel like it's not the right time to begin because I don't have this amount of money or I don't have this amount of followers supporting me or backing me. So um, that all, again, stems from that lack of confidence and assuming that other people around them just automatically have this perfect life that has allowed them to automatically grow to be successful. And so for me, as a coach, as a mentor, as a teacher, um, a speaker, whatever impact that I'm able to have on someone else's life, I always go back to sharing my transparent story, my story of behind the scenes, what I like to call it uh, magic behind the scenes, because a lot of people look at us on Facebook and Instagram, and that's yeah. what they know us as. Right, right. So they get to see all of the beautiful pictures and all the captions, <laughs> and they have this made-up person of who they think we are in this made-up journey that they think that we travel, which is full of perfection mm-hmm. and wins. And so for me, when I share that behind the scenes, even the behind the scenes now, they begin to see themselves in me or Amen. see me yep. as just another person that's yes. continuing to just grow through, up, on, and forward. So they began to see themselves as 
that ambitious go-getter as well because they understand mm-hmm. that they're not the only ones that yeah. are having a hard time trying to find the best way to start, you know? So um, that is, those are a couple of things, or the main things that I see them struggle with. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful answer. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I, I really appreciate you talking about what the behind the scenes look like because I think, you know, some people can get people who, for example, don't necessarily know you or uh, didn't, you know, didn't have the pleasure to kind of like meet you and get to know your story. The reasons why we're able to connect with people is because we see a piece of ourselves in you, right? We see those pieces of connection. Oh, wow, she does that too? Or she's struggling with that too? So am I. And I think the more that we can break down those those walls of you know it's always good and you know um, I, I I know what I'm doing and I know the path that I'm on is really an avenue to develop further and like more deeper relationships. So I think one of the main reasons why these girls these women are so connected to you is because you share your journey and you share your journey in its whole right and. Oh, yeah. And that's really empowering, right? Because of all the things that you're able to to accomplish, we all start somewhere. And so if especially young girls are able to see where you started or get a grasp for the stuff that you're still going through, um, it gives them hope and inspiration that they can do the same. So yeah, of course. And it helps me grow. You know, I I have to be honest about that. It also helps me grow in areas that are my weaknesses now, you know. To wrap up the the interview, thank you so much for for sharing that. I know you said that you're on your journey of healing and you are comfortable in sharing that part of your story that of domestic violence and and what it was like going through it. And it's pretty incredible. I, I always ask people what their why is and what they believe that they were meant to do during their time here. And in, in all of my episodes, um, it's nice to see that their why is embedded in all of their answers, you know? And, and that's a true tell that, that you're living in your truth, that you're living in your purpose. So I'd really love for you to talk about what is your why? What do you strongly believe that you were meant to do during your time here at Kissy? I believe that I was meant to what I like to call um, spread ambitious girl magic around the world with women and girls. Mm. Um, through teaching, speaking, coaching, and advocating. One of the things that I do outside of Ambitious Girls, Inc., I started volunteering with an organization by the name of CASA. It's a national organization. And CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. So for the past eight years, I've had the opportunity to advocate for abused and neglected children in foster care. Okay. So for me, um, I get to see every day the struggles, the challenges, and many things that different children and families are faced with. And it just increases my why and my reason and my knowing that the things that I do are not something that I can take for granted. Right. So I strongly believe that I was meant to do that because I know what it feels like to know that you have a purpose, but to also feel like you're not good enough because of your circumstances. So I know without a doubt in my mind that I was created for this journey because I'm able to empathize with those I'm able to help, but I'm also able to get them to see life outside of the struggles and the challenges and the setbacks and get them to see that they too have everything that they need to continue the journey. But instead of going through the things, grow through, up on, and forward from them into Mm -hmm. their purpose. 
Thank you so much. I, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing you. your story with me, Akissi. What is the best place to connect for people to connect with you? Is that on Instagram, on your website? Absolutely. I love social media because, you know, <laughs> you get to do uh, interactions with people. You get to see them on video. You get to see their pictures and same, you know, vice versa. So I'm on Facebook as well as Instagram at Life Coach Akissi or um, Ambitious Akissi Hill. As well as for the girls and young ladies, um, we're on there on all three platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Ambitious Girls, Inc. Awesome. And I'll have um, all the links so you can connect with the Kissy in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to episode, this is insane, episode 19 of the Power of Why podcast. Uh, my name is Naomi Haile, and you just listened to a Kissy Hill.